0: Welcome to the Living Stones podcast. These are a recording of our Sunday morning meetings. We pray that these will be a blessing to you, so please enjoy listening. If you want to know more, please contact us at office at livingstoneschurch.co.uk.
1: Good morning Living Stones, please do take a seat. I've just looked at the time and thought we'd better get started. It occurred to me this morning that you haven't seen Rob for a couple of weeks. Um, Last week he had COVID, uh, which he's fine now, and this week uh, he's in New York, so don't feel sorry for him. He's fine. Yeah, he's on a work trip, so that explains his his absence for the last two weeks. Um, Let's just uh, focus our hearts and just get into a place of prayer and worship in front of our, our Lord God. Father, thank you for this day, a day that you've made, a day where your people gather, your people long to to hear your word, to hear your heart, and to worship you this morning. Father, put our hearts in the right place. Put our hearts in focus mode, in listening mode, to listen and hear from you, and to worship you. Father God, be with us this day, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I'm going to hand over to Mandy to uh, lead our worship this morning and then a little bit later on after a coffee break we're going to have the Carter group lead us through Communion.
2: We're we actually going to start off where we left off last week because the last song I think it was that Ellie did last week was so, I would say, anointed. It brought the presence of God and I'd already given Justin a list for this week and that was in it and I just feel it's a time when we can... If you like, really take in the words of that song. Make them ours in a prayer. It's we bow down and confess you are Lord in this place. Lord, it says in your word that every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that you are Lord. Father, we choose to do that now, Father. We choose to say, like Evan Roberts said, bend us. Father, we come in humility, but we also come in hunger, Lord. We come in humility and hunger. We say, Father, bend us that we might be ruled by you, that we might confess, Lord. With our mouths, that you are Lord in our worship, that you are Lord in our weak, you are Lord in our heart, Father. You are all our need. Lord, we are gathered to bless your name, and like Penny said, Father. You found us. You pulled us out of pits. You might still be pulling us out of pits. You hold us when we fall, Lord. You have everlasting arms. Father, we choose to bow before you, Lord. We choose to bend here to ask you to bend our wills, Father, to submit to you.
1: Amen. Um, I'm going to ask Justin to come up now and lead us through our family time.
0: Good morning, everybody. Oh, we're not awake yet. <laughs> so, family time. Uh, last week, we um, mentioned that, oh, the week before, I think, that our family time theme was moving into food in the Bible. Now, we live on the coast. We are known possibly for ice cream. Yummy. I don't recall ice cream featuring anywhere in the Bible. Uh, We are known for a food, traditionally, because we're a seaside town, that you find in the Bible. The fish. So, today's theme is fish. So you sit there and think, okay, fish. Go for a search, let's see for fish in the Bible. Well, then you get... uh, the traditional stories about fish, you know, and he was swallowed by a big fish. And a coin was found in a fish. Food involving fish to get away from standard stories that we all know is a bit more difficult. Because in the Gospels, obviously we have five loaves and two fishes, and seven loaves, or seven fishes, and or seven loaves and a few small fishes. Two separate stories. Go back to the beginning in Leviticus. And when the law what they can and can't eat gets laid out, they are told, all creatures living in the water, the seas and rivers, you may eat that have fins and scales. That is a fish. It is not prawns, crab, lobsters, none of that. It is a fish. In Numbers... When they were wandering around the desert and in a moaning point, um, if you look at it in the message, it says, and some fi- misfits among the people started to moan. We remember when we used to eat fish in Egypt and we had it for free. And that's about it in the Old Testament about eating fish. It's an important thing in that, little bit in numbers, Okay. And actually in that bit in Leviticus. Because if you actually dive into what they're really saying, there were slaves in Egypt. Therefore they would have to earn or paid or groveled for almost everything they got. But they were moaning that they weren't able to have the food they used to have because they used to eat fish for free. Look what he says in Leviticus. Living in the seas and rivers, you may eat anything that has fins and scales. Now, fish as a food source at that time is something that they wouldn't have to cultivate. You don't have to tend fish in the sea or in the rivers, technically. Um, Like you have to sheep or cows or crops. You could... Rock up and fish and grab yourself something to eat. Now, those of us who fish know it's not quite as simple as that. Uh, Sometimes you can sit there for a whole day and not catch anything. Uh, And those of you who like to fish or have fished or have been around fishermen, especially mackerel season, um, you catch a fish, then there is more you have to do to it than that to eat it. Um, Now, I've been brought up by the seaside all my life. And as a family, we didn't fish. I never fished until I met Corin in um, the mid-80s, and her granddad came down and said to me, what do you mean? You live by this seaside, and you've never fished. We're going to get you fishing. So we started fishing. And we started mackereling. Now, Chloe sitting over there hates fish. She hates the whole thought of it. So poor Chloe used to sit there on the beach after school, we would have the kayak out and the mackerel rods, and we would mackerel, and be Charlie uh, catching the mackerel, getting the knife out, gutting them on the beach, throwing the stuff back out for the seagulls, feeding the seagulls, and I'll be cooking. And they'll be coming the other side of the groin <laughs> with another pan, having her sausages cooked as far away from the fish as possible. But it's a free food source. going to tell you a story from John about fish and fishing. John thought this story was so important that this is the story he finishes his gospel with. I'm going to need some props. When you go fishing, you have to have a kettle. And you have to have your... um, Your kit bag and and a barbecue. Right. Okay. And if you're going to fry fish, you need a frying pan. Right. So this story happens after the resurrection. Jesus died and he's come back and he's visited the disciples already. And somewhere between that visitation and this point, decided they are going back to Galilee. And the ones who lived in Galilee were men. And had time on their hands. They didn't really know what life was going to be. They were probably also still scared for their lives. No, their whole world had just been turned upside down. Twice. Once when Jesus died. Once when he came back again. So they went back to something they knew about. And they said, let's go fishing. Now, they got in their boat and off they went out. Now, the implication of this story is actually they used to go fish at night and go with the boats and get the nets out. And therefore, they'll come back to the beach in the morning, hopefully with a catch. So they're out in the boat and they're fishing. Now, we know through various stories in the gospel that they didn't just stop fishing and stop going in boats because every time they seemed to go back to Galilee, they were in a boat or they were fishing, they were doing something around their normal life or what was their life. So they weren't technically out of practice. But we're told that this is a night where they were incredibly frustrated because they caught nothing. As it came to the time to bring the boats back in, they started to come in and they saw a figure standing on the shore. And this figure turned around and said, Morning. You catch anything good for breakfast? Now. As a fisherman, if you've been fishing all day and you've caught nothing, the one thing you don't want is some cheery bod to turn around and say, Have you had a good day's fishing? to catch something? Do-do-do. I've sat here all day, I've caught nothing. I could imagine these guys in the boat going, he's that smart aleck on the shore. No, not caught anything. All right, well, why don't you throw your net over the other side of the boat and see what happens. How good are you taking advice at something that you do really well and perhaps it's not going right and somebody who you don't know tells you, why don't try doing it this way? I'm not particularly good at that. I think deep down, <laughs> probably all of us, the thing that we know that we can do, if we're doing it and it's not going right, and there's somebody who re- says, well, why don't you try it this way? You probably get a little bit... Of rawr, but they did. And suddenly, there were so many fish that they weren't strong enough to put it in. And in my translation here, the next verse is, And then the disciple Jesus loved, who happens to be the writer of this gospel, John, said to Peter, It's the master. It's Jesus. Now Simon Peter, never one to known to be understated or, you know, run off like headless chicken at the first thought of this is a good idea, jumped out of the boat. And he was gone ready to head for the shore, leaving his mates in the boat with a net with more fish than they could handle, but he wanted to get to Jesus. Now, when they got to shore, they saw a fire lit, with bread cooking and fish cooking for breakfast. And Jesus there, ready to serve them breakfast. Now, my brain goes to to a few places on this. One, where did Jesus get the fish and the ingredients for the bread from? He was only just resurrected. It wasn't like there was Tesco's Express down the road. Jesus miraculously had provision for his disciples. He didn't wait for them to land their boat and say, clean the fish and let's cook it. No, it was there, ready for them, freely provided. He did cook some of their fish, we are told. This was the third time that Jesus has shown himself alive to the disciples since being raised from the dead. I'm back sharing a simple meal with you, providing for you. And this is the breakfast where he says to um, Peter and addresses the fact that uh, Peter had denied him three times and asked him three times, will you look after my sheep? This is the last part of John's gospel meeting with Jesus over a simple meal of fish and bread over a food substance that was readily available to all free of charge it's a bit like forgiveness and grace really isn't it readily available to all of us all we have to do is recognize it's Jesus is offering it and accept they had to recognize it was Jesus on the shore and accept breakfast. That's your family time.
1: Right, before we dismiss the children and before we have a little bit of a coffee break, I'm gonna ask Alex and Amelia to come and tell us a little bit more about um three two one course, which is happening and starting extremely soon. Alex, over to you all oh right, video first.
3: Hello? Hello. Hi, everyone. That looks exciting, doesn't it? Um, That is a promo for the new version of 321 that has just been released. We thought we were going to get it on Monday. It hasn't reached us till Thursday. It's that fresh. And we are one of a very few pilot churches across the country who are going to be trialing it. And our course starts on Tuesday, the 26th of September. So that's a week on Tuesday. We're really excited. Um, I haven't actually seen the new material yet, but I love the graphics. I love that stained glass, the kind of new take on stained glass in church and hoping that that's going to capture imagination. So one way you could tell friends about it, you could just share that clip with them and say, this looks intriguing, fancy coming along with me. So that's just another option of how you can reach them. Um, What we're going to do today is demonstrate a couple of ways to invite people on the course. I was just thinking along the lines of, I mean, I was gonna say all sorts, but what Justin said has kind of changed it a bit. Um, you know, in Jesus, so they come, back, they come back to the beach and they haven't got any fish and they think they know what they're doing. So we all think we know what we're doing, don't we, in terms of, well, I can't tell that person about Jesus because of this and this, and I, I wouldn't do it that way. So this is just an invitation to rethink it, maybe put your net the other side of the boat and see what's there. We've still got a week before we start. So here's a demo. Hiya. Um, I haven't got long, but I just wanted to tell you, um, well, I'll give you this, okay? Is a course happening at my church? I think you should go. <laughs> We've got 2,000 of them, so we can afford to rip one up. So how do you think that went? No. Do you think she's going to come to 321? No. What could I have done better, differently? Any ideas, Shannon? Brilliant, so an invitation, much better. Yeah, any other ideas of how I could improve? Be interested in her, excellent. About to do that. Anything else? Time, sure. Okay, let's rerun it with those three things in mind. I've really enjoyed having a cup of tea with you and catching up. It's been so good to hear about um, what you've been doing. What did you do at the weekend, by the way, Amelia? Stuff, okay. What about you? What about me? Well, I was in church on Sunday, and I saw a really exciting clip about a course that they're gonna run. Now, I thought I knew what the course was about, but there's something in there that's kind of caught my imagination, and I thought, Tuesday nights. I don't do anything on Tuesday nights. I think I'm gonna go to this course. I wondered, any chance you'd like to come with me? I thought we could go together. We struggled to have time together. It'd be a time for us to kind of catch up. It's only four weeks long, every Tuesday. What do you reckon?
1: It sounds great. I'll
3: come. Yeah. You'll come. Fantastic. And because I drive past your house to get there, I could pick you up. How's that sound? I'm going to leave you this leaflet. Um, I know you're more of a texter, though, than a, than a leaflet person, so I'm going to text you one later as well because there's there's a... There's a Uh, digital version, and all the details are on the back. But all you need to know is I'll pick you up at 7 next Tuesday and really look forward to it. Thank you. (laughs) Come in here with you. So everyone's got their own style. Um, My experience is God places people on your heart to invite um, at the most unexpected moment and the the last person, and I do have a story about this, the last person you want to invite. But for the moment... Gaze around the room, very close to you, I imagine, there is an empty seat, is that right? Okay, so what we're going to do, you can close, our eye, close your eyes or you can gaze on that seat. We're just going to take a moment and see who God places on your heart to invite to three to one. Who does he want to be sitting in that seat next to you or the seat that you can see? So let's just take a moment of quiet. Dear Lord Jesus, as we look around um, our small family, we see the empty seats in our church and we ask you to guide us, to place on our hearts the people that you would have us reach out to. Whoever it is, Lord, that has come into our mind in the last few moments, I pray that we feel that quickening in our hearts, that impulse to act on it, and that we can't rest in the next week until we have. Amen. I don't want to give great detail about what God's done to me, because all being well, this person who I've invited is going to come, is going to be saved, and is then going to be part of our church. So I can't be negative about them. But they are a colleague who I find particularly difficult i've invited quite a few people on 321 i feel a bit like i'm having a party and no one wants to come and it's been a bit it's been a bit disheartening if i'm really honest for me and rich being quite disheartening and then the other day i was on a work call and this colleague was going on and on and on i was thinking i've got to do some work i wish they would just i'm it, not using a pronoun they would be quiet and then that person started talking about scripture and their hairdresser being a jehovah's witness and giving them a a scripture and she couldn't get her head around it and I thought okay I can see what's happening here so I said to her would you share the scripture with me can I have a look Um, and then that person also said you know I, I wanted to get in touch over the summer I've been having a really tough time I wanted to ask you to pray and I knew I knew that God was saying this person and I thought really so I have I've invited that person a couple of days ago and they said can you let me know a bit closer to the time? And I'm thinking, okay, it's 10 days to go, but yes, yeah, sure. So um, I have been moved out of my comfort zone for sure, and I'm praying that that person will join us on this course. Um, things to mention, other things that you can do. If inviting someone one to one is not your thing, absolutely fine. There are flyers, as you can see, on your tables, and there is a box at the back. That box, needs to be empty by the end of today please take them with you You can make paper airplanes with them and throw them out to the street if you want but we just need to get them out there in the next week i had a really surprising i think it was um monday evening when amelia was at acro i popped down here and i was going to do something completely different i was going to a different street but i didn't have the lock to my bike so i ended up leaving my bike here in Community Wise and thought, well, I can only do the ones along here. And I ended up going into the businesses along here about six o'clock on Monday evening. And I tell you the welcome I got. The Crown Pub has got loads of these. You know, they had a bit of a smirk, but they definitely took them. Aroma Restaurant. He said, I'll put them out on the tables for people. Crown's Antiques. He said, no problem. I'll spread them around. So if anyone is here around this area during the week, I would really welcome, there's a hairdresser's along there that was closed, not the barbers, she didn't want them, but um, she took one for herself, but the hairdresser's, I'd love to get some in there, and then there's a cafe round to Waitrose, and the pub down there, the Star Inn, so if anyone feels bold enough just to go out during the day, people were really receptive, and just leave a pile there. If that's not your thing, Amelia, we've got some clipboards here. Hospitality is a massive part of three 2, one, and that the fish got me thinking about that as well. Free food, people love free food. So if inviting them doesn't, um, you know, talking about Jesus doesn't turn their head a bit, the offer of cake might. Um, this is our cake board asking for volunteers to support us by making cake. It may seem like a really small thing but the difference it makes when we're hosting it, the kind of source of conversation, oh oh, this? this is the lemon and poppy seed cake that Rosie made for us, isn't it delicious? Who's Rosie? She's someone who's in our church family who really cares that this course is happening and she's made this cake and provided it for us. So hospitality is massive. Thank you to the person who has volunteered. I'm particularly nervous about week one. Someone would like to put their name down today for week one, and with the rest, we can... all. Oh, I've just got a bid. Thank you very much. Did you say Rocky Road? Fantastic. <laughs> Lewis makes amazing for Rocky Road. Anyway, that will be at the back at the end with a... Um, as will. we're doing okay with the map around the streets here but in the next week it would be brilliant to get a few more of them done come and see me at the end and we can agree kind of which road you might be able to cover it's really quick Amelia and rich did one session yesterday didn't you and you just zip up and down get them through the letter boxes and get them out there finally if none of that is for you we would love your support and all that but finally pray. Please, please do be praying in the next week. Um, Pray for those who you're yet to invite. Pray for those who've said yes. We've got a small group who we know are coming um, and we're really excited about journeying with them. So please pray for those who've said yes. Please pray for me and Rich because we've got to prep all the new material over over the next week um, and get going. But we're excited about that. We're fired up about that. Overall, please pray for God to change hearts and bring them to the course. Great yes so it's been sent out once with the newsletter is there any chance it could go out again early in this week is that possible Um, because I find the digital one really useful you you can WhatsApp it um, and then rather than putting people on the spot like I did with Amelia they can kind of have a little think on their own and I've had instant responses of thanks but no thanks others of I'll have a think about it um, others of it's not for me but I'll pass it on to Fred and that kind of thing so yes if we can get that sent out that would be brilliant. Yeah, so out with the podcast on Tuesday. Thank you very much. And do come and chat to me after the service with the clipboards. I get a real sense of excitement
1: when I hear Alex talking about 321. I'm really excited for it. And um, I just wanted to emphasize again about the, the, tech, the digital thing is brilliant. I sent a, a message to so, someone last year. They didn't come, but they said, oh, thank you. I was just thinking about all this. I, really? Were you? <laughs> you know. Yeah, they were, they were, because they don't necessarily share everything with you. So, it, yeah, it's it's an incredible. Um, there's so many different ways to to invite people. It's brilliant. So let's uh, let's be praying for that. I'm gonna ask the um, I'm gonna send around the offering first. Um, does anybody want to hold a very giraffe? Oh, Shannon does. All right, then. Oh, Amelia, do you want to hold the? You want to hold the tin? You get a tin. Thank you. I'm got any money. <laughs> There you go. And sh- uh, do you want to put your? And I'm going to pray for the children as they, as they leave. Dear Lord, we thank you for our children, who are, in some ways, such brilliant ambassadors for you, Lord. Way better than some of us grown-ups, Lord. We just pray your blessing on them this morning as they, as they share um, your word with Justin. In Jesus' name, Amen. Please do uh, grab a cup of coffee, and then I'll hand over to the Carter life.
4: going to share communion together and uh, penny is, is going to share a few thoughts first of all about uh, the bread uh, of, of the communion uh, and then I shall do something similar uh, thinking about the wine and Claire's going to bring a thought to tight together and then we'll'll we'll share communion uh, and then at the end we'll have just a, a quiet time together so that's that's the, the pattern uh, and uh, penny
5: or what? You'll oh, need that. I need, You'll need I that is on. It's on. Right. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> right, here are my thoughts um, about bread in the Bible. In the Bible, beginning in the Old Testament, bread is used as a symbol of God's provision and of life, and was a well developed concept as such. It was deep rooted in the culture of the people's lives. And it was considered to be vital, along with water, for daily existence. In Numbers, I'm going to read some scriptures, but don't worry about looking any of them up. I'm just going to read them. In Numbers 21, verse 5, the Israelites spoke out against God and against Moses, saying, Why have you brought us out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no bread, nor is there any water. Without bread, the Israelite felt his life was in danger. Bread was counted as the staff of life. There are several scriptures in the Old Testament referring to the staff of bread, which supports life. In the New Testament, Jesus himself said to Satan that man shall not live by bread alone when tempted in the wilderness to turn stones to bread. He was quoting from the uh, Old Testament book of Deuteronomy. So bread was very definitely a mainstay of the Israelites' life and the concept that it represented life. They they understood this concept. Uh, We read in Leviticus chapter 24 um, that God established the wilderness tabernacle for worship and he gave instructions for the building of a table to be called the table of the showbread. Hang on. Every Sabbath, the priests of the tabernacle would arrange 12 loaves of bread called the bread of the presence on the table near to God's presence in the holy place. So I'm just going to read now from Leviticus chapter 24. Uh, Verses 5 to 9. Then you shall take fine flour and bake 12 cakes, that's bread of the presence, showbread, with it. Two-tenths of an ephah shall be in each cake. You shall set the bread of the presence in two rows, six in a row, on the pure gold table before the Lord. You shall put pure frankincense beside each row, so that it may be with the bread as a memorial portion, an offering by fire to the Lord. Every Sabbath day Aaron shall arrange the showbread before the Lord continually. It is an everlasting covenant for the Israelites. The bread of the presence shall be for Aaron and his sons, and they shall eat it in a sacred place. For it is for Aaron a most holy portion of the offerings by fire to the Lord, his portion forever. I just found it um, thought-provoking in verse 9 that Aaron and his sons were told that the uh, the bread of the presence for them to, to eat and it was Aaron's portion forever. Aaron was the high priest in the tabernacle. And there just seems to be a correlation there to the New Testament, to the eating and sharing of the bread where Jesus told his disciples to take and eat of the bread in remembrance of him. They're just my thoughts on it. In the New Testament, Jesus in John chapter six tells his followers that he is the bread of life. Um, I'm just going to read from John chapter six, verse 31, where the followers say to him, our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness as it is written in scripture he gave them bread out of heaven to eat then jesus said to them i assure you and most solemnly say to you it is not moses who has given you the bread out of heaven but it is my father who gives you the true bread out of heaven for the bread of god is he who comes down out of heaven and gives life to the world then they said to him lord always give us this bread Jesus replied to them I am the bread of life the one who comes to me will never be hungry and the one who believes in me will never be thirsty then in verse 51 Jesus also says I am the living bread that came down out of heaven if anyone eats of this bread believes in me accepts me as saviour he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. So, Jesus is saying that He Himself is the foundation for spiritual life, and without His death and resurrection, no one else can have life. To live physically, we need bread, or rice, or noodles, or potatoes, or whatever your staple or cultural food is but to live spiritually abundantly eternally we need jesus who indeed is the bread of life
4: amen thank you penny that was it uh, was good just to focus on on those verses that speak of of the the fundamental nature of of, of bread uh, and the bread of life is Jesus. The the other element that forms our communion meal is, of course, the wine. And, and the Bible has quite a lot to say about wine, um, much of it warnings about having too much. Um, Noah is, is credited with planting the first vineyard and, and uh, making wine and getting legless as a result. Um, and Proverbs uh, chapter 20, verse 1 reads, Wine is a mocker, beer a brawler. Whoever is led astray by them is not wise. And in his letter to the Ephesians, Paul says, Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, capital S, Spirit. But here, wine is central to to our communion service, and and it's imbued by Jesus with a significance uh, which is far beyond that of a glass of, of fermented grapes, isn't it? This cup, Jesus said, is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for many. Now. The disciples, of course, would have been very familiar with the, the, the patterns of worship of the previous generations, um, including all the sacrifices, the shedding of, of, of blood. Uh, and, and indeed, with the story of the uh, sac- blood of the sacrificial lamb being spread on the, on the doorposts uh, of the Israelites' houses to, to mark them out. Um, and and save them from God's anger as as he uh, carried out his his promise to kill all the firstborn uh, in Egypt. Uh, And if you're not familiar with those events, you can read about them in Exodus chapter 12. But then Jesus goes on to say that they must drink from this cup, which must have seemed quite shocking to them. In in Leviticus chapter 17, it says, Any Israelite or foreigner living with them who eats any blood, I, this is God speaking, I will set my face against that person and cut him off from his people. For the life of a creature is in the blood. And I have given it to you to make atonement for yourselves on the altar. It is the blood that makes atonement for one's life. Uh, we read a lot in the Old Testament about blood being, being sprinkled around. Um, it's, it's, it's spread uh, on, on ears and thumbs and big toes and on the garments of, of Aaron and, of course, on the altar itself. But it's never drunk. And, and what the disciples and, and what we have to come to terms with, of course, is that Jesus was saying he is the sacrificial lamb. And that it was to be his blood literally shed or spilt for us on the cross. And, and it's us recognizing and believing that, that that was and is essential for us to have eternal life. So there's nothing special about the wine. Nothing especially holy about this wine. We don't drink it uh, together because it will make us feel better or to give us a a, a mystical experience, uh, that's not what we do. We drink it to remind ourselves of the sacrifice that Jesus made and to say, thank you for giving yourself. Thank you for going to the cross for me. Renew today my faith that is in you and you alone and that I can stand before the throne of God. Jesus said to the disciples, I tell you the truth, unless you can eat the flesh and drink the blood of the Son of Man, you have no life in you. Claire.
6: really like someone to stand and hold this for me i can't really (laughs) 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 Um, so the thoughts that came to me about this is um i always have to go to genesis and genesis chapter one and chapter two and actually if you read those uh from genesis the whole of genesis one and the first few verses in genesis two there is the whole story If you know how to unpack it, it's the story of creation all the way to how God is going to redeem us. It's amazing if you can unpack it. So if you can remember what happened on the seventh day of creation, do you remember what God did? He rested. So all creation was complete, the whole story from the end of time on that seventh day. So Genesis uh, two verse 2 it says by the seventh day God had finished his work <coughs> the work he had been doing so on the seventh day he rested from all his work then the Lord blessed the seventh day and made it holy because um, it is it, because he rested from all his work of creating um, and all that he had done so can you pick up a repeated word in the verse Rested and seventh day, seventh day. Do you remember what the Lord said after all the other days? This is the morning, the evening and the morning of that day. This day, he did not say that because it was the end. It was complete. And seven is a very special word if you see it in the Bible. It's, it's symbolic. It has no magical <laughs> or myth, mystical meaning of its own but when you see seven you have to think complete so it's about completing so god rested on the seventh day and he said it three times and three is also another a uh, powerful reminder and it means divine fullness perfection so everything on that it was perfect um <coughs> And there was no m- morning and evening because that day goes on forever. Now we all are familiar with the Sabbath day. What does Sabbath mean? He said stop. Cheat. <laughs> Sabbath, some people say, oh, it's the, the Lord's Day or whatever, but actually Sabbath means He stopped. And then the other word that follows that is nuach, which means rested. So what it was is that God said, I've stopped, and now I'm going to rest. I'm going to settle in to what I've done. uh, Think of different things. I can just rest. And so when we talk about the Sabbath day, and this is significant because as it happens, our Sabbath, we happen to have chosen Sunday, (coughs) Stop <coughs> and um, stop and enter into rest. So that's what is is kind of like required of it. And um, just some some pointers following this seven through the Bible in several places. Um, so it reinforces this idea of God's finished work wherever you see it. So there was um, again we have to go back to the Old Testament because that is our seedbed. Everything. That we have in the new testament is based on the old testament there's nothing new surprisingly so exodus 23 and Leviticus 25 there was a sabbath year do you remember that at all every seven years they had to let the land rest they were not to work it every single seven years they were supposed to just because in those days it was an agricultural society and so they would have planted and then the, the in that year they would trust that god would give the increase that they would be able to live on that seventh year um and uh, and, and so it was a, a thing of trust it was a way of saying i'm trusting you god you are who you say you are so the trouble the trouble is that israelites not like us because we are very obedient to everything god says but they didn't do that and and so as a result of that if you remember they were all captured and taken away to babylon for 70 years and in daniel it says it talks about that giving the land rest after the 70 years the land will have had the rest that you didn't give it so that's the kind of thing you know if you don't rest that land is going to suffer that uh, that thing that gives you your status where you get all your, your food from, where you get your money from, it's going to suffer. And then there was one more um, rest. I don't know if you know about this one, the year of jubilee. That was seven times seven years. So f- at the 49th year was the year of the jubilee. A Tremendous, a, an amazing thing that God instituted. That all debts, any debt you had, would be, you'd be released from it. If you were a slave you were released from it if you had borrowed something from your neighbor and you went into that year you could keep it you didn't give it back it was an amazing uh, year of freedom and um, you know uh, uh, prosperity it's the way you would you know if you'd sold yourself because you got into trouble you sold yourself as a slave you were now restored the land that you'd you'd sold was given back to you so you could start to live again and, and cultivate it and um, as, you know this way god would stop people empire building owning populations of people you would still be god's people you wouldn't be owned by someone else and so it was the year of liberty so you think oh, yeah, well this is all very nice because they didn't do it so uh, i mean can you imagine what a tremendous testimony that is to the people around? Such liberty, and so you think, is there anything like that in the New Testament? And um, if you remember, there's a passage in Isaiah that points to this year of jubilee, where the slaves are set free, where people are healed. And um, if you remember, Jesus went on the synagogue uh, into the synagogue, and he read Isaiah 61, and, it's, and he says. Uh, this is in luke four uh, several versions but this is luke four he went to nazareth where he'd been brought up and on the sabbath day he went into the synagogue as was his custom so he used to go to synagogue he's uh, uh, he he followed the the jewish ways he stood up and read um and read and the uh, the scroll of the prophet isaiah was handed to him unrolling it he found the place where it is written The spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He has set me to proclaim freedom to the prisoners, recovery of sight to the blind, to set the oppressed free, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, which was the year of jubilee. So Jesus is our jubilee. We have got freedom. We are slaves set free. We were singing about being a slave to fear. We're free of that if we can give that um, over to the Lord. So he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant and sat down, and everyone's eyes were on him in the synagogue, and they were fastened to him. And he began saying to them, today that scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. (coughs) So Jesus sent a message that he had come to set them free. Um, But the thing we need to remember is this came at a very high cost. This cost his life. And that's what we're, we're talking about now. We're talking about the bread, um, the bread and the wine. And he, he brought in a new covenant. And when you bring in a covenant, you have to bring in meal and you have to pour out blood. And these are parts of signs of a new covenant. So the bread is broken. <coughs> so Jesus' life was broken, open for us. And the blood was poured out. And that's his blood. And we we're talking about... Um, The blood, the life of the flesh is in the blood. So when, although we're not drinking his blood, but in his blood is our life. In the bread, there is life for us. So that's like uh, communion. And the other thing about it is it brings, this new covenant brings in forgiveness. We are forgiven. We don't know how bad our sins are, because if we did, we would love the Lord with all our hearts and all our minds. And we would love our neighbor as ourselves if we really, really saw it. But there are times where God is so gracious and he reminds us. And we can enjoy that liberty, that jubilee. And um, I just thought I'd draw your attention that I, I don't know if you realize that this time, this very moment, o- the Jews are celebrating Rosh Hashanah, which is their new year. Um, and it's a, it's a marvelous time. It's a time where they refocus their lives on God. They refocus it away from all their work, all their anxiety, and they focus back to the Lord. And in ten days' time, there's Rosh Hashanah. Um, oh no, Yom Kippur, where as uh, the Day of Atonement. But Jesus is our atonement. Jesus has set us free, and that is an every day for us. Um, and there's a little, uh, a, a little tradition that they started fairly recently in Jewish, uh, in the Jewish community. Uh, It's about the 13th century. What they would do is they would um, get a stone and they would name that stone with the sin that they had, that they'd committed. And then they would throw that stone into what they called living water. So living water is moving water. That's what living water is. And this comes from Micah. It's such an obscure little verse that they've made this tradition, but it shows how much they know their Bible. So it's Micah 7 verse 18 who is a god like you who who pardons sin and forgives transgressions of the remnant of his inheritance <coughs> you do not s- s- uh, stay angry forever but delight to show mercy you will um, you will again have compassion on us you will tread on our sins underfoot and hurl our iniquities into the depth of sea so uh, what i uh, um what i thought of, i was thinking about that little tradition Jesus is our living water, and we can throw our sins into that living water, washed away. Uh, We have the blood, and we have the wine, and we have Shabbat. And when I think of that word now, I think of hearing, I can hear God saying, Stop! Just stop! Rest, and rest from our anxieties, rest from our fears, rest from the worries of work, rest. Jesus has come to bring us rest, and he's come to give us, through this meal, we can have rest, we can have peace with him. And praise him, I just praise the Lord for that. Thank you. (laughs)